God is faithful. Always faithful. Indeed, it is not a sheer coincidence that Prophet, our founder, asked me to deliver a message on the youth this morning. I'll start the message by quickly giving you a background to the person standing before you this morning and how by divine grace I am to deliver this message. Let's quickly look at 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 and 13. And I read New King James Version. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. Pastor Love is standing before you this morning found himself in this situation about 30 years back. I was then a youth, a young man, a graduate, a member of the youth fellowship, and indeed a member of the drama group. And in the middle of preparing, rehearsing for a play for the youth week, I walked out of the church. And for 25 years, I was in the world and I know what it was that 25 years. And by his grace, I can also stand here and echo Apostle Paul's message to Timothy saying that formerly I was a blasphemer, I persecuted Christ on the cross, and I was an insolent man, but I obtained mercy. And that is why I'm standing here this morning and then sharing this message with you. It is by his grace. And let us continue to honor God in our lives. The, sermon, the message this morning centers around Apostle Paul's letter to Timothy, who we all know in the Bible happens to be the closest associate of Apostle Paul. Indeed, he is described as a, a young man, as a youth, a believer, a youth leader, and a young minister. This is because it was Apostle Paul who converted Timothy on his first missionary journey in Lystra. That is in Acts 14.8. But then he wrote this letter acknowledging the good works Timothy did in a number of churches. In his letter to the Philippians, he acknowledged him. The letter to the Thessalonians, he acknowledged him. And indeed, even mentioned the report, the good report he gave about the Thessalonian church to Apostle Paul in submitting his report. Now, the first scripture is 1 Timothy 
chapter 4 verse 12 and i read let no man despise your youth but be an example to the believers in word in conversation in charity in spirit in faith and in purity the second scripture again is in first timothy chapter 4 verse 14 and i read do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by prophecy if laying on of the hands of the eldership. The third scripture is Ecclesiastes 12, chapter 12, verse 1. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. And I read, Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. Before the difficult days come, and the years draw near when you can say, I have no pleasure in them. Amen. The topic for the message this morning is Our Youth a Charge to Keep. Two key words can be found in this topic Youth and then Charge. Now let us understand that human life has been divided into various stages and each and everyone passed through it till the time we exit this earth. And these are the infancy, adolescence, youth, mature, adulthood, and then agedness. Now each of these stages carries its own challenges, but my own judgment is that the period that is designated as a youth perhaps is the most challenging because it involves preparation that have profound implications for our future. Now, who are the youth? Traditionally, when we talk of the youth, we talk of a period that transits from childhood to adulthood. We don't there appears to be no defined age boundaries. So anyone who desires to be youth can be a youth. But normally between the ages of 18 upwards, we see that as a period of the youth. Now what is the youth like? In our everyday life, we tend to see the stage of the youth as a frustrating time in life. Some also say that it is a period that marks the beginning where one is hardly old enough to be on his own, but still thinks of independence. Again, the youth stage is a stage where we struggle for identity, and as a result, we engage in so many acts that the matured adults or the aged thing that they are bizarre. But it's all because we struggle for identity. But 
the scripture has a very positive understanding or appreciation of the youth stage. The scripture characterizes the youth as a time of vigor and strength. And when you talk of vigor, we are referring to active strength of the body or the mind. Proverbs 20, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29. The glory of the young man is their strength. So contrary to the impression that the youthful stage is a stage of uncertainty and everything, as far as the Lord who created us is concerned, it is a stage that he has given us vigor and strength on those who trust in him. Amen. In Psalm 103, verse 5, the vigor of the youth is seen as a personal blessing. And when you read, the strength, the vigor of the youth is likened to the strength of the eagle, particularly its flying prowess, the wings, the power is the wings of the eagle. Now, when we look at the word charge, it could mean an instruction, a command, or as a verb, to assign a duty or responsibility. So, for example, in Joshua 22, verse 5, Moses commanded you to love the Lord, your God. In other words, Moses charged us to love the Lord, our God. Now, when we merge or combine these two in the topic uh, phrases, that is our youth and a child to keep, it gives an indication that our youth have been given certain assignments, specific instructions, or have been assigned certain responsibilities or duties, which in obedience to God, they must keep or fulfill. The message this morning will try to identify some of this and then see how we go about it. Amen. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12 and 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 14 are reminders to the guiding principle of Christian youth. as found in Apostle Paul's letter to his youthful spiritual son, Timothy. And as a youth, we are expected to, we have been given a charge to keep. And we can identify two assignments Apostle Paul gave Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. Let me read it again and read the first part. Indeed, the first part gives a command to Timothy. That is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, part 1, as I described it. Let no man despise your youth. But I will start by saying that 
First and foremost, you should not despise your youth. If you respect yourself, others will respect you. But as youth, we keep on having the tendency of saying that we are youth, so we try to run away from responsibilities or try to debase ourselves. And as a result, others also look down upon us. But this message given to Timothy is against the background that Timothy happens to be a young youth, uh, Christian youth leader, at the same time a young minister, and being found among elders. There's a need for him to appreciate who he is as far as God is concerned. And therefore, should not allow others to look on him. And this morning, the message to you is that do not despise yourself, neither do you allow others to despise you. Why so? The reason is three. The first one, as a youth, God has given you divine purpose. Second, God has given you divine backing. And the third is that God has given you divine empowerment. Please take note of the critical word divine running through these three reasons. Now, God has given you divine purpose. Why do we say that? Let's look at the book of Jeremiah. And let's quickly look at Jeremiah 1, that's Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. And I read verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, and 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordain you a prophet to the nations. So here, God, in calling Jeremiah to prophesy to the nation Israel, and when Jeremiah hesitated, he made him understand that before he was formed in the mother's womb, he, the Lord, knew him, and that before he was born, he sanctified him. It means that God had a purpose for Jeremiah and therefore prepared him for that purpose. Secondly, God has given you a divine backing as a youth. Again, we refer to Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 8. And I read, Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Here was an instance where Jeremiah, after God had told him that he will make him a prophet, and that he will prophesy to the nation Israel. He was confounded and was afraid and then told the Lord that he was just a mere youth and therefore cannot execute the task that God has given him. But Lord Jehovah assured him and told him not to be afraid of their faces, for he is with him to deliver him. So, as youth, remember that not only that you have a divine purpose in this world, but also you have the divine backing of the Almighty God who created you. 
fairly, God has given you divine empowerment. We find this in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Are you there? All right, let me read. Here, Apostle Peter quotes Prophet Joel on the day of Pentecost. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I'll pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision. Your old men shall dream dreams. But here my emphasis is on your young men shall see vision. This is a divine empowerment from the almighty God. And as a result, as we inaugurate you this morning, the youth, some of you, if you trust in the Lord, acknowledge that he has a purpose for you, a divine purpose, that he has, he has given his divine backing, he will empower you. Some of you become prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah. Some of you will become evangelists like Barnabas, Philip, in the book of Acts. And some of you will become pastors of God and will empower you as he did to Timothy. So under no circumstances should you at this stage in your life say, I'm a mere youth. You are more than a conqueror. Amen. Finally, which is very important, if you read the story of Daniel, the Lord will also empower some of you to become like Daniel. With the ability to influence the religious and the secular affairs of nations. Some of you will some of you will, with your God-given talents, go forth to the nations in various fields and capacities and make the presence of God known. My question is, are you running away from God who is calling you because you are just a youth? This message is a good news to you this morning. God is speaking to you right now. This moment. This minute and this second. And remember, God has given you divine purpose. You have his divine backing. And definitely and divinely you are empowered to execute all that the Lord has destined for you. Amen. Amen. The second charge, which again comes from the first Timothy chapter four, verse twelve. That is the second part. Is that we are commanded to be good example to our peers. So you have to be a good example to your peers. I hope you are all aware of the fact that. An adult, a child cannot be a good example to an adult. Because the adult, the child learns from the adult, not the adult learning. 
In other words, when you're adult, you are at the stage of cracking the bones and chewing the meat. But when you are a child, you are in the stage of drinking the milk. Amen. As a result, when you are asked to be a good example to your peers and others, it clearly means that you are not just an ordinary youth, but you are a youth with a divine mandate to impact on the life of those surrounding you. Now let's quickly look at the First Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, the concluding portion of it. And I read, But be thou an example of the believers, in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, and in purity, or purity. Now let's consider each of these. Be a good example in word or in speech. In trying to explain this position, I make reference to Ephesians 4 verse 29. Can we quickly look at that as I read it? Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, and I read, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to hearers. We are talking about word. We are talking about speech. This has to do with our conversations, the things that come out of our mouth. We are in the world. And what really comes to mind is profanity, evil speaking, or gossip. Apostle Paul is advising, commanding, instructing Timothy as a youth and for that matter all of us, the youth here, and of course parents, that the words that come out of our mouth should not be corrupt. We should avoid profanity. We are in the age of social media. So many things are out there. Things are forwarded to you unconsciously. In our world, there is a Western world which we are copying wrongly. They've gone into a stage where even if you are not part of a post and they find it on your WhatsApp or your Facebook, you may be labeled as a pedophile and then treated as such. And how, how much more as Christians, why do we engage in profanities in our conversations? Apostle Paul is admonishing, admonishing us that the words that come out of our hearts should be acceptable to the Lord. It should bring grace. It should not corrupt our body. And those of us who engage in evil speaking, we should stop and then speak 
good things. Gossip, you know, is a canker. It leads to rumors. It destroys images. It destroys uh, images of people. And then, creates confusion in the house of the Lord. So, as youth, you are being instructed to be a good example to your peers in the kind of statements you make, the kind of things you post on your WhatsApp platform. Then, again, be a good example in conduct. This has to do with the manner of life we live. As a youth in Christ, our general life must be worthy of the gospel. And let's quickly look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21, 22. And I read, Test all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from every form of evil. My dear brother and sister in Christ. My question is, are we living like we have been born again into the family of God through Christ? Or we are living like we are part of the world? Every Christian youth, you must rise up and be counted when it comes to the propagation of the gospel. So that you help in propagating the gospel, the spread of the gospel to hearts and places where Jesus Christ is yet to be glorified. In other words, there are individuals around you who are here to accept Christ or even if they did, it is a half-hearted effort. And also there are places where Christ is yet to be glorified. In our life, we should set it as a priority to be part of the effort to, pro to propagate the gospel. As a matter of fact, as you practice the word of God in your life, you will be able to identify the areas of immaturity and there you can work on them. And this will help you when you plead to God, you ask God to guide you, to help you overcome your immaturity. Remember, those who trust in him, he renews their strength. He gives them new vigor. Our God is a faithful God and his strength will prevail once you surrender to Christ and become a new creation in the Lord. Amen. Now, one important thing you have to note as far as Christian living is concerned, which I'll command all of you to appreciate and make it a duty so that it becomes your hobby, is that by consistently listening, believing, and practicing the word, you will unconsciously put boundaries in your life that will ensure you maintain 
the cause that you have set for yourself in Christ. If you keep on reading the word, you keep on listening, believing. If you fill your environment with the kind of music that facilitates the presence of the Holy Spirit, you are there. But I know we go through these challenges. We still, some of us still sneak to clubhouses. We still play music that does not glorify the Lord. We watch certain videos. We are in the age of commercialization of pornography. And some of us, as youth, these are serious challenges that we face. A few are into drug-related abuses. But you know, Jesus Christ died for us all. Once you approach him and surrender unto him, he will deliver you. Amen. Another good example is that We should be in the spirit. This simply means that we should display the zeal to serve the Lord. And 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says that, Be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. As a youth, you for Christ, you will be inaugurated today. You are expected to show your zeal for the Lord. In everything you do, show the greatest level of commitment. When there is a meeting, be punctual. When there is an activity, make sure you take part. When it comes to Bible study, be at the forefront. Finally, be a good example Impurity. Purity, purity here means morally pure and chaste in conduct. Paul's child to Timothy is very relevant and helpful in teaching the youth. So let us learn that the command that we should be morally pure and chaste in conduct is very important. Because Christ himself was above sin. He was sinless. And he gave himself wholly to God's will. We should also, as a youth, give ourselves wholly to God's will. And never allow any room for impurity to manifest itself in our lives. In the scriptures, as youth were told to flee from last. Paul isn't exhorting Timothy to run away wherever he's tempted or attracted to last. Rather, he's encouraging him to put up a battle that totally rejects impurity. So it's not a matter of closing your eyes, but your mind your attitude and your act should reflect total rejection of whatever, whatever 
that is impure. With this, I conclude with, uh, with these two verses. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 and verse 28. With verse 8, Christ is blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And verse 28, this is for the hot-headed youth who think certain things can be done when prophet is not there. Or antithesis is not there. Verse 28. But I say unto you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And you know that youth become restless whenever such messages are preached. But lust contaminates the body and separates the body from Christ. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be indwelling. So we have to keep the body pure for the Holy Spirit to indwell and for God's presence to be manifest. So, youthful flee, youthful lust, and fight for purity. It is known. They are very few. And then, their friends laugh at them. But remember, you are very precious in the sight of God. And he will use you to accomplish his good and perfect will on earth. There is a reward for staying pure. Amen. The third command is serve God in your youth. And this is from Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1. And I read, Remember now thy creator in the days of their youth. While the evil days come, not. Nor the years draw nigh. When thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. This simply means that remember God now. Live for him. Surrender unto him. So that tomorrow you don't sing the song of regrets had I known. You have a divine purpose, a divine backing, a divine empowerment. Simply surrender unto the Lord. Serve him. Be part of his vineyard. But with this, let me quickly say, that let's remember that every day as we live, we grow older. Now there are some old people who wish they were younger. And some people who wish some young people who wish they were older. As a matter of fact, we are never satisfied with our present situation. And I think that it is because of this that we have this scripture. Let you know that in your youth 
whether it is right for you to be a youth or wrong for you to be a youth. God says, save him. Amen. Now, some of us grow or we watch people grow gracefully. Again, we watch people grow ungracefully. Very unfortunate, but it's a reality. Now, those who grow gracefully, they are the older people who are sweet, very nice to engage, to interact with, very accommodating, full of wisdom and counsel. And they are very kind and nice to be with. We also know some older people who are hateful and totally discouraging to be around. They are the people who are not or did not grow gracefully. They are filled with bitterness, filled with regrets, and blaming everybody as apart from themselves. Let us remember that growing older day by day is not something which we have control over. But how we choose to live each one of these days is something of which we do have control. Let me repeat. Growing older day by day is not something which, is, which we have control over. However, how we choose to live each one of these days, each one of those days, is something of which we do have control. As a result, how we age is a choice we can make. It is not an auntie, it's not an uncle, or any other person. It is your choice. And this morning I'm entreating you to make the choice by surrendering to God, living your life for him, and then you will eat gracefully and not have regrets and say vanity of vanities. The final point on this, again, is from personal experience. My brother and sister in Christ. We have all seen people who dedicated their life to God right from their infancy through their youth and to their old age. None have expressed regret for serving the Lord all through their life. None have expressed regret for serving the Lord during their youth. But I can tell you that there are several people who later years in their life got saved. And we hear almost all, indeed all of them, expressing regret that they did not give their life to the Lord when they were young. I standing here, I told them a testimony. I regretted the 25 years that I stayed away from God. But as Apostle Paul said, his grace brought me here this morning. Amen.
There is no other life that brings joy, that brings peace, that brings encouragement, fulfillment, and especially contentment than the one that comes from living with Christ. Most people are frustrated because they are not content. And contentment, you cannot create it. It is by his grace. And it's through total surrender unto the Lord. And I believe that before you can be content, it means that your body subjects itself to the direction of your soul, which is led by the Spirit. If there's a disjoint between your body and your soul, you will never be satisfied. Because your body will always be dragging you into earthly things. And there is no satisfaction in earthly things. Amen. Now, as I bring this message to an end, there are two questions I would like to pose. The first question, I'm posing it because I am sure I became a victim of that question. Either during my youth, when I had surrendered to God, actually I surrendered to God in my final year in the university, 1987. But by 1990, I'd abandoned my calling. So the question is, having listened to these commands, are there consequences if we ignore them? This charge that I've enumerated, that I've listed, are there consequences if we ignore them? I suspect strongly that 30 years or 32 years or 3 years ago maybe I, I was told but I'm not sure I understood and, I, and I'm sure that by the guidance of the Holy Spirit my presence here to deliver this message is to communicate the consequences of not taking this charge seriously. It's a charge that you have to keep throughout your life on this earth. So let's look at the consequences. Let's all read First Timothy verse 1. First Timothy chapter 1, sorry. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 18 to 20. And I will take note of what the consequence is. And I read. This is Apostle Paul to Timothy. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected, very important, which some having rejected, Concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenius and Alexander, whom I delivered to Saturn, that they may learn 
not to blaspheme. Now, in when you talk of shipwreck, clearly a ship that has run aground or a ship that has been disabled and then sinks. In other words, the, the ship is no more seaworthy. But here, the shipwreck is figurative. It means destruction, ruin, or irreversible loss. Now, when before a shipwreck, when the signs are clear that a ship is wobbling and it's about to sink or about, about to run aground, because as when it hits a rock, maybe water starts entering it to sink. Whichever way, or when the storms are tossing it up and down, with the cargo shifting from one side to the other side and all that. Clearly, when there's a shipwreck, at times initial effort is made to throw luggage overboard. And then later, life jackets, life boats, but then there is a damage. What Apostle Paul indicated to his son, Timothy, which is relevant today, is that when you move away from this faith, your life will suffer destruction. It will be rain. Satan will take over and use you and everything about you will never reflect the glory of the Lord. My 25 years I witnessed I was suicidal at a point. I witnessed 12 serious accidents, three vehicles totally written off. I somersaulted. It was screened on TV3, and no one believed that the sole occupant would be a survivor. But here I am standing here. I have instances where the engine seat got broken, the engine dropped out. But here I am. I had my room, my flat bent, water filled, all the sockets. Fortunately, there was blackout. Others have been electrocuted. Outside Ghana, I was suicidal. I could see river, but there the walls along the bridge a bit high. I went through so many things because I lacked that contentment. I had material things, but life was meaningless. Let us understand that when you walk out of faith, when you abandon Christ, he paid a price for your sin. When you abandon him, when you persecute him 
on the cross. Your life will become a shipwreck. This morning, Apostle Paul, in the first statement I made, said he had mercy because he did it ignorantly and and unbelief. This morning, you are no more ignorant. You've heard it. You've heard the consequences. So, I was lucky. You may not be lucky. I lived and crossed 50 years. You, you don't have the time. You don't know when you go. So, this morning, the message is that you've heard the, the charge. Please, surrender to Christ and as a youth, continue to live in Christ because the consequences is hell. Finally, and I bring this, the message to an end. What happens when we keep the charge? You look at what happens if you don't keep the charge. Destruction. What happens when you keep the church? Again, Apostle Paul gives us a cue or gives us a secret or gives us the answer. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7 and 8. You know, if you are asked to execute a job and you have executed it, you expect commendation, you expect a reward, you expect praise. If it's work, you expect bonus for extra work done. So here, Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Emphasis. I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous God, judge, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, I'd like you to picture yourself this moment, standing before the judgment seat of Jesus. God seated with Jesus at his right hand. With the following CV. One, you gave your life to him while you were young. So he served him when where are you? Or all through your life. Two, you walked with him through all the struggles and trials you face. Remember, Christ did not say that when you follow him, you will not have trials and challenges. So, you walked with him through all the struggles and trials because you trusted and believed in him. And he got you through and was faithful to you in every situation of your life. 
every situation of your life, he was with you. Now the final day has come. And you are asked to say something to defend yourself. To be part of eternal life. If you hear this charge and leave it, I'm sure you can be bold and confident. And you say, Lord, I was not faithful in everything because we are imperfect. But you and I walk together all the way. If you are able to say this, it means you have lived a life of victory in Christ. My dear brother and sister in Christ, let us remember that the youth are often described as the future of tomorrow or the future of the church. That is partly true. But what completes the picture is that the youth are active part of the present. The youth are active today. They do not belong to tomorrow. Every church activity is the youth who bring vigor, energy, strength, passion, and this is a blessing from God when you trust in him. It is my prayer and firm belief that the IPR youth for Christ will live up to this church, hold it to their chest, keep it, and help propagate the message of Christ to hearts and areas where he is yet to be glorified. Amen.